Wayfeather Media presents Claire Voyaging. Hi. Yo. Hi. Hi. What's up? Hey, Frank. What's up? What's up? Oh, you know, just a little post Christmas time. Ah, happy holidays, everybody. Just relaxing at home. Maxin. Doing nothing. <laughs> Maxing by the pool. Yeah. Happy New Year, everybody. You know what the best part of the holidays are? What? How your kids are home for two weeks. Mm-hmm. And like just entertaining them and snack providing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just just handing out snacks nonstop. Yeah. I just took the kids to the park. You did. And I and I did the, I did this. I recorded. You did a story. I recorded a thing. Yeah. I'm excited for your story. So you haven't heard it. You haven't even read it. I haven't. It could be really bad. I feel the same way. <laughs> hey, quick update. Mm-hmm. We got a coffee. No. Yeah. Will G bought us some coffee. Thank you, Will G. Will G. Yeah. What a gentleman. Thank uh, you, sir. Yeah. I'm excited to sip on some coffee. Yeah. Um, if you want to support the show. And buy us a coffee. Go to buymeacoffee.com slash clearvoyaging. You can be a member or you could just buy a couple coffees or one coffee, whatever. Wait, what is the difference between being a member and not? Members get access to special things and discounts on merchandise and things like that. Oh, okay. Yeah. Nice. Also, I've decided to pursue my Reiki business. So... I have a new website. It's called HelloLaurenLeon.com, and I'm doing distance Reiki, 30-minute sessions, or you can get a package for sessions, and they're discounted. So if you would like one with me, hop on over to HelloLaurenLeon.com and check it out. Yeah. Also, I want to hear more from our listeners. So listener... If you have a story to share about a time that either you followed your intuition or you had an encounter with a spirit or you got a sign from the other side, send us your story. Hit us up. Get, us, get either, us on the horn. But the email. Yeah, that. <laughs> get us on the email horn. <laughs> um, either write it out and we can record it or record yourself on a voice memo and email the file to us. There's instructions on the website. Just go, go hit it. Or that. Yeah. Um, send it to our email, which is clairvoyagingpodcast at gmail.com. And maybe you'll be featured on our show. Bingo. If it's a good story. If it's a bad story, no. No, there are no bad stories. Just kidding. Listen, I, no matter what, I'm going to read it. I, I I am hungry. Yeah. I'm hungry for I'm tales right judging. now. I'm not judging. I just want to tease. Well, you I just, know, that's kind of a... Little chummy, maybe for some people. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I'm loving these travelogue episodes. That's what this one is. Mm -hmm. We have your story Mm -hmm. from, spoiler alert, New Orleans. Uh, I don't think it's a spoiler. I think it's in the title of the episode. Great. Yeah. Okay. I'm happy that I didn't um, give everything away. No, that was the end of story. Well, we can just roll the credits. (laughs) Okay. Hope you enjoyed Frank's story. (laughs) (laughs) anyway you guys want to hear something hey you want to hear something i i I do i want to i want to hear let's uh, how about you uh bring us into it ladies and gentlemen Mm. claire voyaging presents (laughs) frank leon and his tales of new orleans that's a lot of pressure welcome to the story time 
So my friends Mitch and Jen are getting married, which is super awesome, and congrats, guys. When Mitch invited me to his bachelor party in New Orleans, I was super excited to go. I'd never been there before, and the place has quite the reputation for being, you know, steeped in folklore and the esoteric. And considering the year that Lauren and I have had with starting this podcast and exploring all things mystical, there probably couldn't be a better time to go and, and definitely no better person to go with than Mitch, since as I found out later, he, he knew the French Quarter like the back of his hand. Now would be as good a time as any to let you know, my dear listeners, that through a series of coincidences, if there is such a thing, Lauren and I have acquired a, a family psychic as sort of a, a counselor to help us and our extended family navigate our niece Gwen's budding abilities. Out of respect and caution, we're keeping his identity a secret. He's not a career psychic, so being outed as a clairvoyant could result in some negative repercussions for him. Um, but trust me when I say that he is the real deal, and his help has been indispensable. Moving forward, we're going to refer to him as Dr. Claire. That's, isn't that creative? About a week before my trip to New Orleans, I got a chance to speak with Dr. Claire, uh, just him and I. I found out that he cut his psychic teeth during a stint out in New Orleans after Hurricane Katrina, which I can only imagine was an intense environment for a clairvoyant, considering that there had been a terrible number of deaths. Dr. Claire knows that I'm attempting to increase my intuition, so he suggested that I find an off-the-beaten-path tarot reader somewhere off of Canal Street. Uh, and he wanted me to ask them how I can enhance my abilities. Dr. Claire also mentioned that my abilities have been on, and I do have some, but that I tend to be too distracted to notice them, or that I'm not looking for them in the right way. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not listening correctly. I'm very interested at this point in, in, in getting more quiet and figuring out exactly how this is working for me. So later that day, Lauren and I would pull a tarot card to answer the question, what should Frank expect to get out of his trip to New Orleans? And tarot answered with an ace of pentacles. As usual, we referred to the interpretation by our friend and episode seven guest, Dr. Elliot Adam. Here's the abridged version of what he said. The universe is full of abundance, weed out limiting thoughts. This card can indicate a new job or open gateways to opportunity. Considering that I almost canceled my flight to New Orleans because I was trying to like be budget conscious since I just lost my job recently, um, receiving this card was aggressively poignant. Gateways to opportunity, that sounds fantastic. But that all said, this no longer feels like just a bachelor party. It suddenly feels like a mission. Now, this will come as no surprise to those of you who know me personally, but I have some uh, overstimulation-based anxiety issues. If you were to take one look at my hands, you'd guess correctly that I consider fingernails to be a myth. I can't tell you when I bite them. I just know that they're gone or were never there in the first place. They're just in a constant state of suppression. I know it's a gross habit, but my point in telling you this is that I'm kind of starting to get a little nervous about this trip. It feels faded, but like, you know, good faded. And now I have expectations of how this is going to go. But I also know I shouldn't force the whole abundance thing or new gateways or anything that wouldn't naturally occur during the course of this trip. Because after all, it's about Mitch and it's not about me at all. So I, I am determined I will move at the will of the universe, source energy, and Mitch Yapko. I packed hand sanitizer because my nails don't stand a chance. So it's travel day. I 
park my car at a lot near LAX and I board an empty terminal shuttle and I, I get a near instant New Orleans immersion because my shuttle driver, Lewis, is from there. He's super kind, he loves people, he loves food, and the whole ride towards LAX, we talk about his cousins and their secret family recipes and, and the culture out there, to the point where he parks in front of my terminal, and we proceed to talk for about another eight minutes while traffic whizzes around the shuttle. He tells me that I haven't had turkey until I've had smoked turkey. I tell him that I hate turkey. He reminds me that I actually haven't had turkey because it wasn't smoked, and he's right. I add this as another objective to my agenda. We shake hands and I walk off the shuttle, suddenly a little less nervous about my trip. And I now love a man named Lewis. The plane lands at Louis Armstrong International in full dark, and I have exactly one hour to meet Mitch and the boys in front of the St. Louis Cathedral at Jackson Square for a guided vampire tour, which is a sentence that is applicable to very few cities. My Uber drops me off near the cathedral with five minutes to spare, which is just enough time for me to look around and notice that this entire place, this is my first time here, this entire place just feels oddly nostalgic. Is it destiny calling via deja vu? Perhaps a past life as a beignet maker? Oh, no, 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 no. It, it's Disneyland. Jackson Square is just like the area outside of Pirates of the Caribbean but like with very real debauchery and, and sloppier but more authentic street jazz. It smells different here. It's, it's gritty, but it's a good gritty. Everything is wet. I wore white shoes, which was an incredible mistake, but it's, it's fine because this place already feels very special. I'm excited to be here. The entire bachelor party found each other and we immediately all get along. I'm, I'm the newer guy in this group, but like within 30 minutes, I felt like these were all my pals. They're all super good dudes. The Vampire Tour was expertly curated by author and podcast host Rose Sinister. Go find her. As we were walking through the cobblestone streets of the French Quarter, she showed us hot spots from the feature film Interview with a Vampire, which is everyone's favorite. She explained in incredible detail the many controversies and secrets of the old Ursuline convent and told us the unnerving story surrounding Jacques Saint-Germain and, and all of this at a rate and intensity worthy of Academy Award nomination. Not to mention she kind of sold me on vampires, like they, I, I, they might be real, I don't know. I'm looking into it, but she did her job. After the tour, we ended up back at a uh, cigar lounge, like in a, in a back room. As the former president of his university's cigar club, Mitch had us resume an old cigar lounge tradition. Everybody in attendance would deliver a stream of consciousness monologue while the others bear witness in attentive silence. All the boys share stories about their life and, and, and families and work updates, and, and I share the story of Gwen and Claire voyaging and my goal to get an authentic tarot reading somewhere off of Canal Street. I, I explained that I know how it sounds strange. It's uncommon. But also, it's more than just an interesting hobby. I have, I have some family who needs a little bit of help. Upon hearing this, Mitch, ever the producer, inherited my goal as his holy mission which I'm grateful for because on any given day, I qualify as an introvert at best an ambivert. And uh, Mitch is not. Mitch is an extrovert through and through. It's vital to have counterparts like this guy. So it's morning, day two. 
Mitch is bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, which serves as a devastating reminder that he physically doesn't get hangovers, and he never shows signs of being tired. We slept for four hours, which I now consider a Yapco full night's rest. Some of us are hurting, some more than others, but this is his special time, and we must all keep up. So, 10 a.m., beignets, coffee, and a voodoo tour. Our tour guide is William Elder. The trajectory of this tour went from, I hope this is worth it, to please take all of my money, William. He explored the outskirts of the above-ground cemetery containing the pyramid-shaped mausoleum belonging to the very much alive Nicolas Cage, who had it built to uncurse him. There's a whole story there. I don't know it. This particular city of the dead is also the permanent home of a certain Marie Laveau, who is a famous entrepreneur, voodoo practitioner, and proof that women are the dominant species. Just a badass. William then proceeds to walk us through Louis Armstrong Park starting with the Congo Square, which is a location where, in the 1800s, slaves were allowed to practice voodoo and hoodoo unsupervised, but it's still used as a place of practice today. By chance, we cross paths with a friend of Williams, a, a voodoo high priest named Roby, who was visiting the square to place offerings of vegetables before a revered sculpture as a way to thank his ancestors for a quick recovery from a recent illness. Roby was incredibly kind to our group, and... He has quite a few YouTube videos. Go find him. Go find him. You'll learn a lot. I had a few moments like this where I kind of turned inward and became acutely aware of how different French Quarter culture is compared to anything I'm used to. I live in an incredibly safe, incredibly suburban locality adjacent to an even safer suburbaner city between Los Angeles and Santa Barbara, where, like, thick morning fog is considered newsworthy. Regionally, I am a nonconformist, like an artsy, artsy boy. I play punk music, I talk about ghosts, and I rebelliously painted my front door red. Sorry, not sorry, Sandy from across the street. I'm not like other girls. It's been less than 24 hours in New Orleans, and, and now I believe in vampires, and I'm rubbing elbows with a high voodoo priest. I am not different. I am a normie. I am a vanilla. I am plain toast. We pass Marie Laveau's house and briefly discuss the similarities between some African deities and Greek mythology and, and voodoo dolls and Reiki practices, and suddenly this small section of New Orleans is the center of my world. We end the tour at Voodoo Authentica, which is a small voodoo shop that felt pretty authentica. In the shop, I, I look over to my left and I notice that they have a tarot reader set up in her own little room past curtain beads. And I peek in and see that she's doing a reading for another patron. I immediately get bubble guts because it looks way more legit than anything else I've seen so far. But I know now's not the right time for this because the group has been on the move and we're all starving. And if I don't find the authentic tarot reading that I'm going for, the one I'm not going to force, this place will be my backup joint. Just an aside, nothing came of this, so don't get too excited. But when I walked out of the shop... I was certain one of the bachelor party members was walking behind me at like my nine o'clock. I walked about half a block before I turned to strike up a conversation, and I was obviously startled to see that nobody was there. I did like a full spin looking to see if they had just moved out of my sight, and there's, there's nobody there. Nobody's there. This kind of thing, you hear about it sometimes, but it's never happened to me before, and definitely not like this. I was certain. 
I know right now I'm kind of in the biz of bumping the night stuff, so this shouldn't come as a big surprise, but it, it was surprising. It was surprising. Like I said, nothing came of it, but it was very interesting. The rest of that day is a blast. We were just exploring and drinking and eating. The Vampire Cafe, which is a place we were supposed to go to, was completely packed, so they diverted us to their sister location called the Apothecary. We walk in, and guess what? There is a tarot reader near the front. But this doesn't feel like it either. The The, the space of the, the tarot reader is kind of public, and I, I don't want anything weird to be stated out loud. Again, I'm an introvert. I have it listed as a backup. I'm just going gonna, gonna to put this on pause again. The waitress brings most of our party uh, sangria in a blood bag. I can't stomach the idea of drinking even pretend blood, so I order something equally manly. The Alchemist's Elixir. A blend of elderflower liqueur, pea flower-infused gin, and fresh lime juice. Served in a champagne saucer, pinkies up. It was delicious. One of the best drinks of the trip. After dinner and much more exploring, we end the night, well... It was the early morning at this point at Mr. Joe's Island Grill, which is a food truck tucked into a small lot that has the largest meat smoker I've ever seen. We got to meet Mr. Joe and his associates who provided us with hands down the greatest barbecue I've ever had. I go to sleep full of brisket and fireball whiskey. Five hours later, we are up. We begin day three. Mitch and best man Alan fetched us all some baked items because they inexplicably got up before us and walked down the street. Which brings me to the point that I believe people in film production should fight America's wars because they are made of tougher stuff. We eat real quickly, attend to our morning routines, and uh, trickle downstairs feigning preparedness for a final full day on the Yapco clock. Now, while most of us are well into our 40s, not a complaint of pain or fatigue is uttered. Everyone's being cool, okay? But in our little makeshift staging area down in the family room, the silence is thick. It's only broken by the occasional deep sigh or accidental snore of a, a micro nap. Some of the boys are hurting. It's okay though. Everyone's in good spirits, and Mitch is making sure that we are fired up to go ziplining over a swamp that looked like it was straight out of the first season of True Detective. A few hours later, after a brief regrouping and muffalettas, we're back in the streets. As a matter of fact, we're just off of Canal Street, where Dr. Claire said to get the tarot reading. At this point, Mitch has a fire in his heart, and it's not just the back-to-back-to-back -to -back -to -back fireball shots we drank at a dungeon-themed bar we basically shimmied between two buildings to get to. He wants to find the right tarot reader for me, and he knows time is running out. It's our last night, and it's 9 p.m. I'm being driven forward by spirit and chance, but I am getting a little nervous that I'm going to miss my chance. So I, I rechecked the hours of the voodoo shop that was my plan B, and, and they're closed already, and they're not going to open until I'm already on an airplane the next day. So my heart sinks a bit. Just then, we, we happen to walk past the apothecary again, where I got that delicious pinkies up drink, and Mitch's eyes light up. He and Alan run across the street to the apothecary's door person while the rest of us watch from afar as Alan and Mitch exude the body language of sweet-talking and finessing their way into I don't, I don't exactly know what. They come back with walking directions and a password to a speakeasy down the street. 
Now, for me, at this point, the fireball shots are kind of doing what they're supposed to do, whether I want them to do it or not. So I'm just going with the flow and following the person in front of me. I'm not drunk, but I'm not not. We walk into an Irish pub that's packed. There's a band playing and people are singing and clapping and it's kind of like weirdly well lit compared to the other bars that I've seen. But the vibes are like super jolly in there. We do a weird thing. We walk in the place like we own it. We walk past the crowd, past the band, which they kind of watched us with bewilderment as we opened a weird door next to the stage and exit into an alleyway that I feel like no one knew was really there. We shut the door behind us. So now directly in front of us in this weird alley, there's a heavyset intimidating man sitting in a chair who looks to be a mix of a Hell's Angel and Dumbledore. He could have passed as either the brains or the brawn for Elton John's security detail, which is a very difficult balance to strike, but this this gentleman, he did it. Mitch leans over to him and says something along the lines of, are the witches in? The man leans away from Mitch and gives us all a once-over. I become very aware of how we look. A few grown boys, ragtag, asking a a man in an alley for witches in December. After a minute, badass Dumbledore walks through our group and unlocks a padlocked window shutter behind us. The shutter creaks open, revealing a long metal staircase going to the second floor. We're all a little giddy, a little confused, a little fireballed, right? As we reach the top of the staircase, I, I see one cat, and then another, and then another, and these aren't strays, these are well cared for cats, and they're not afraid of us either. And then we enter what looks like a private living room. It's moodily decorated in like an old plantation meets the haunted mansion kind of thing. I take in my surroundings as much as Fireball allows me to, and I I note the staff consists of another Elton John-esque security guard and a female staff of a waitress or two and a bartender. There's only like two other patrons there, but other than that, it's just us nerds. Why does this exist? How are they in business? I don't know, but I love it. The boys post up around the, like, living room fireplace. Over in the corner of the room, Mitch gets my attention, and and he motions for me to come join him in this, like, little nook area. When I turn around the corner, I see that there's a a tarot reader sitting at the table. No one is there, just her. She's waiting. She is my tarot card reader. She is the one. I take a seat in front of the mystical Juliet Rose Trichomi. She's a a 30-something Sicilian sight for sore eyes after a few days with rusty, crusty man-boys. I could tell that her initial instinct was to kind of, you know, treat me like an average client, right? Someone who just, like, came in and was curious. But little does she know, I'm Frank. I'm Frank from Clairvoyaging. And I've learned just slightly more than your average esoteric student. I'm a C+. I've seen some things. She asks me what I'd like to know. And I ask her if I can give her a little backstory first. I repeat my cigar lounge origin story while she shuffles cards. I can't tell for certain, but I think I've piqued her interest, which makes me feel a little special. Now, this one's on me. I blew it a little. Juliet asks me what my question really is after I give her the backstory, and I blank on what Dr. Claire wanted me to ask, because fireball. And just as a reminder, Dr. Claire wanted me to ask how I could increase my intuition. I ended up asking what's the best way for me to proceed, considering my interests and wanting to help Gwen navigate her abilities. It's not quite the same question, but it's adjacent. 
Juliet, without breaking eye contact, starts slapping cards down on the table. After the first three cards, she pauses, slightly stunned. The first three cards were of various suits, but all of them the number two. 222 is her particular spirit number. It's the number that shows up for her when she's looking for a sign. I feel special again. I am not like other girls. The card in the middle of it all is the Two of Swords, a card that comes up for me frequently and is even on display in my studio as I record this. That card represents being in a state of in-between and not being able to see what's coming in the future and kind of finding a, a peace and balance with that. Juliet continues to distribute her spread, which is way more complicated than the one to three card spreads that Lauren and I do at home. At this point, there are like 10 cards on the table, and I am willing myself sober because I need to pay attention. From here, she gets into the interpretation, which goes something like this. I am juggling doing or being a lot of things, which is true. And though I'm doing a good job, it's causing me anxiety. Also true because, you know, no nails. But I'm at a crossroads where I need to make a decision because a job or a way of thinking has recently come to a natural end. And now I must choose to continue doing things the way I have been or to try something new and authentic. But whatever I do, my friends and family will support me. And just as a reminder... I had just lost my job, and I started this podcast, and my closest friends have loved it so far, but Juliet doesn't know any of this yet, so my jaw drops just a bit. She went on to say that the outcome of whatever I do will be in service of people and to create a supportive community. She also says I have to make it clear to my spirit guides and also defend Gwen as much as I can, and it all will lead to a certain amount of success for me and my family. There are no bad or concerning cards in the whole spread. This information washes over me like a warm bath. I knew I had built this all up to be a bigger deal than it maybe should have been, but who wouldn't be relieved to hear that everything is going to be okay, right? If you were to just get one reading from someone, I mean, this is the one you'd want. I suddenly have a renewed vigor toward my current endeavors, and, and also I've made a new friend. I meet up with the guys and we head back out into the street. And as we're walking back to our Airbnb, I thank the guys for being patient with me while I got that reading, but none of them minded. And in fact, enjoyed a unique absinthe cocktail that Mitch claimed, and I quote, melted his face. For the first time, Mitch looks a little tired, but I feel like I'm winning the fatigue battle. On the way home, we returned to Mr. Joe's Island Grill because we're not stupid and everyone should go there. And guess what? Smoked turkey is on the menu. We order a pile of meats and sides. All of it's great, but the turkey wins by a landslide. You gotta get, you gotta do it. And it's not like the sliced stuff. It's the real stuff. It's turkey, but it's good. It's really good. Anyway, it's like Lewis and I always say, you haven't had turkey until you've had smoked turkey. After a full night's Yapco of four and a half hours, we all head to the airport, hug like brothers, and we go our separate ways. We had a great time. It was a success. In the plane, I, I know I should feel tired. I would normally feel like I was on my deathbed at this point. 13 hours of sleep in three days. I don't know how or why, but I feel rejuvenated. Way more energy than usual. I realize a few things. It's been a minute since I've done anything new. It was a new place with new people. It was a proper adventure and also one that underscored my sense of wonder and awe in the esoteric. Like, this is the perfect trip for where I'm at right now. 
I land at LAX, get back to my car, and hit classic 405 traffic. I'm home now. I'm still thinking about the trip and wondering why I feel so good and why I have so much energy. I, I didn't listen to the radio or any podcast or anything during the two-hour drive home. I was just thinking, trying to figure this out. Why? It's been a few weeks since the trip, but I, I think I finally have the answer. And the answer is tribalism. I had mentioned those frequent moments I had during the trip where I realized how interesting and alternative everyone was in the French Quarter, at least compared to what I'm used to. All the locals kept running into friends on the street. The voodoo guide ran into, you know, Roby the high priest, and Rose Sinister, the vampire tour guide, was running into familiar locals and fans. She had fans. The whole place is filled with people dressing in gothic steampunk vampire witch attire because it's Tuesday. There was epic jambalaya, blood bags, and ghost stories, Nicolas Cage's tiny pyramid, jazz bands playing the classics, but also smells like teen spirit, convents and covens, vast swamps in the powerful Mississippi to kind of underscore the whole thing. Those people in that town know exactly who they are, not just as individuals, but also who they are as a group, how they engage and participate in the culture, and the culture permeates every aspect of that town. Now, don't get me wrong, I live in a beautiful, safe area that has great schools, fair weather, friendly neighbors, even Sandy from across the street who actually loves my kids. But what the suburbs lack severely is culture and tribalism. It can be lonely and siloed if you naturally gravitate towards the alternative. But I don't think it has to be this way, and, and it certainly doesn't serve my family to conform and ignore extrasensory abilities and spirits. In fact, the opposite. How can I go back to being a basic suburban dad with a corporate job after seeing that there are entire cultures out there that have room for what I'm experiencing, what my family is experiencing? I don't think I can. It's okay to be weird and it's okay to be a little bit different. I mean, after all, what would a vampire tour guide do in Thousand Oaks? There's a line in J.R.R. Tolkien's The Hobbit that explains how the Baggins family was considered respectable, quote-unquote, because they never had any adventures or did anything unexpected. But that's just where Bilbo's story begins. And being in our, like, safe little bubble environment, I kind of feel like this is where our story begins. We're ready to kind of build a community and find our tribe. Thank you for listening. Visit www.clairvoyaging.com for show notes, merch, or just to say hi. If you'd like to support our journey, visit www.buymeacoffee.com backslash clairvoyaging. This has been a production of Wayfeather Media. 